Hi, I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. I'm Will. I'm Dylan. And you're listening to The, the Crusading, Crusading Couch. Yes, you heard that right. Today we have a special guest, uh, our friend uh, Dylan. Uh, Dylan, why don't you tell the guys why we've, uh, the listeners rather, why we have got you in today? Uh, well, I guess I have the most uh, experience with philosophy. I just did it as a uh, undergrad in uni, so, and I did my honours in philosophy as well, so I have a little bit to say about it. Yeah, and so, by Dylan's credentials, you may have guessed what the topic for today is going to be. Today we're going to be talking about philosophy and truth. Uh, this is another one, sort of like a travel, travel podcast, that doesn't relate directly to uh, a gaming theme. Um, although you can probably apply some of these things to gaming, I won't know until we're done uh, whether they can actually be applied or not. Oh, Kim, why are you fucking dropping shit all over the recording space? I know. So, where, where do we think we should begin? Pretty lofty uh, topic. A lot of, lot of space for discussion. Certainly is. Graham is looking at me like I should lead off with something. No, I just I thought you might want to talk. No, I'm just debating if you want to start with the big guns or not. Yeah, indeed. We've we've had a bit of a pre-discussion as we sometimes do. Um, one hey, of Dylan, the- if you had to compress, and this is going to be difficult. <laughs> To give someone who's obviously you know you've done your university degree around philosophy and that if you had to give a compressed overview. This is a challenge for you. Of philosophy of truth. Well, I haven't done too much into the like literature of philosophy of truth, but just as a more introductory description of it, of it could be. Um, well, one part of what we're trying to talk about is just ask, ask uh, trying to answer the simple question of what is truth. Um, and then also we want to talk about our own takes on truth, I suppose, our subjective um, worldviews, our attempts to uh, understand the world and, and the things in it. Yeah, and how, how, how uh, essential or non-essential truth might be uh, to certain uh, ways of thinking. Mm. Try not to overuse the word truth and philosophy too much, personally. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a challenge. <laughs> it's gonna be hard. Yes. You know. Well, yeah. Um, so, Dylan, how do you think, um, academically, in terms of philosophy, like, uh, what can you think of in terms of ways of defining, defining? Sorry, not defining, defining with an F. Truth. Like, how exactly? What are we talking about when we talk about truth? Right, well, there can be two kinds of truth. There's truth as a property that can be um, uh, prescribed to objects, things, people, perhaps. Uh, And then there's truth with a capital T, which most people are probably trying to find. Something that exists out there in the objective world. Small idea truth. Big idea truth? Mmm. Sort of well, one. people could have their, their own preferences on what, what truth they're, they're really yeah. after. Mm. 
so that what could be a big truth to them is what's immediate in their lives. And then others with more grandiose aspirations to work out what the truth is about the entire universe or meaning of life, uh, which is the, which would be the big the big T truth. Mm, there you go. Do any of us have any particular grandiose truths? I mean, not really. I mean, there are things that I hold self-evident, but it has in recent months been pointed out to me that that could be wrong because my worldview is based on uh, evidence. So, this is one question I have, is that can one's truth be definitively proven wrong? Um, can you prove can a you negative, definitive, I think? Definitive is a big word. I think because we can never really be sure about what is true and what isn't true. Okay. Um, I think so we've yeah, like maybe you can't definitively prove that uh, the world around you is real because everything that you're uh, using uh, to define that is uh, within certain uh, worldviews. Uh, Subjective, because you can't prove to someone else that your that your sense of touch is real. They can't know that your sense of touch exists. Mm. Okay, but you can develop. Um, for instance, two of you can be using a sense of touch on a particular service, and you can both describe. Yeah, indeed. Uh, your experiences, and um, if you do that with, say, a large group of people, and the majority uh, agree on that, then. Not a definitive truth, but you have maybe a recognised truth. Mm. Yeah, know. it's it's all okay, about yeah, like yeah. it's all about. I would. I mean, Dylan, feel free to correct me if uh, I'm saying something stupid. Uh, but it's uh, a lot of that stuff is like what you personally uh, uh, attribute power to. Fuck you, computer. That's an interesting definition of truth there by Raymond Cox. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. I thought I'd already muted all the devices in this area. Um, where was I? Some preamble about <laughs> bullshit. Something about truth, truth and power or something. Yeah. So, like, you were, you're ascribing power to... Um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? You're saying that, like, the fact that multiple people are have observed this thing that is uh, valid but some people might argue that the only thing that is valid is the thoughts within their own mind and everything else could be an illusion created by hallucinations and things like that you know it's you have to at some point there is a assumption that uh, you have made at some point in your thought process you have made an assumption like whether that is I can trust my own senses or uh, something else um, yes well in fact almost everything we say and every, every proposition we we offer would have some assumption in it it could be a really obvious one like as you said like I trust my senses or something like what I see is what what is really there and we don't have to point that out. Ah! <laughs> we don't have to point that out to the people we talk to to make sense to them because they're doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, but sometimes when we talk about really nitty gritty stuff like truth and the things related to that, it could be 
it might be necessary might, might be necessary to point out those assumptions because that might be the problem the assumptions we have that we just accept the assumptions and then build uh, arguments or further assumptions based on those yeah and so the the tall the taller the tower we make on these assumptions where especially where not having um, explicitly stated these assumptions uh, means that these towers we build can be quite wobbly. Structurally compromised? Yes. It's a Jenga tower of truth. Yes, yes. And as we try to take out the blocks, the things we no longer believe to be true, then, and how to restructure it, maybe it's better just to knock the whole thing down and start again. Can you even... So assumptions essentially act as parameters. Yes. In this instance. So can you even start defining, not defining, but can you even talk about truth without parameters? No, or well, I don't think so, because, um, so for me, um, the two definitions of truth that I gave earlier, one with, as truth has a property in truth with a capital T, Hang on, Wolf is oh getting a goodness. phone call. I don't know what you're talking about. You can't prove anything. Does anybody else need to you mute their to phones? Please enjoy this soothing music. On the what is side. this? I now know what my new ringtone sounds oh, like. Wolf you now it. have a new phone. I do. Gone are the days of the back backwards bending flip top. <laughs> and he actually has what so. appears to be He's a smartphone in a case. That a is a discussion for epilogues. Wow. Okay. It's an objective Ooh. truth. <laughs> I'm holding it here in my hand. We'll step that up in, yeah. uh, in, 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 the, in the afterwards preamble. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Where were we before somebody <laughs> rudely interrupted us? We were talking about uh, we were talking about assumptions are the parameters that allow us to talk about these things. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I had two definitions of truth: the truth as a property and truth with capital T. I don't think truth with capital T exists, and uh, where I come from from that is that there's no evidence for anything like that. Yeah. And even if there was, we'd have a lot of trouble getting to it because um, well it could be um, problems with our trusting our senses or um, just human beings being infallible in the first place uh, so that's why I don't think there's truth of capital T but truth as a property means that it has to be things you that has the property of truth so for example when you say uh, this is a red apple so the uh, it is it is true to say that the apple is red, and so the uh, apple has the property of being red, and the truth is relative to the red apple. So if there's no red apples, then it's not true to say that there are red apples. Uh, hmm. As an example, I, I think I get what you're getting at. So if you if you have any proposition at all, it relates to something that exists. Um, we can go, and maybe another good example is um, people wonder if if uh, things like one plus one is two would still be true if, if the universe didn't exist. So talking about conceptual truths. Um, oh boy. What do you think about that? I I wonder, like, my initial thought is like, in what way would that change my everyday life like if 
one plus one didn't equal two if there was no universe, would my life in any way be different because of that? I actually agree with Raymond. My first thought, at the risk of sounding like a lowbrow uh, <laughs> pleb, was when he said that was, would it matter? Because um, yeah. the universe, obviously, then I, we're I, not going to be around. I'd it's, argue that it would matter, but that it wouldn't necessarily be relevant in the same way that, like, uh, bringing this back to, like, the purview of our podcast... Um, the things that I do when I'm role-playing matter, but, like, there's no reason why a construction worker or a lawyer who has no interest in, no interest in role-playing should care about my actions in a role-playing game because they are irrelevant to them because it is not an interest of them. I didn't even really focus on your part where you're talking about the universe exists so it's just like one plus one equals two is a is a is a conceptual truth of convenience you can explain the addition of items any way you want but it is the addition of the items whether you call it a plus or an addition or if you call them as ones or if you bring them into to, to make two i think that it's a that it's a nomenclature question Okay. Do you define that word you just used? Nomenclature meaning something to do with language. Yeah, it just means the. It basically, it means the naming of things. Yeah, it's a good word. What about the laws of physics? Would they be true if the universe didn't exist? I mean, just talking from a science fiction point of view, my initial thought is no. I would assume no, because I see them as being part and parcel of the universe. So, like To be fair, as we understand it. Yeah. A different universe might have different physical laws, but like the way in which a universe is conceptualized, it's extremely unlikely that we would ever be able to see or observe in any way another universe because like if the physical laws are different in another universe then what if the physical laws that make our existence possible are not possible in that universe what if oxygen what if there is no oxygen uh, or what if that what if matter has a completely different shape just a different shape and Everything falls apart. So you're saying you're saying there. that the physical that the, the the physical constants of a particular universe um, are directly linked to the fact that that universe exists in the first place. Yes, I think. Cool. Uh, but this is all about perspective, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I was about to say that when you're talking about how a different universe would be different, like the laws of physics would be different. Might be, I mean, we can't... Well, well yeah. chances are they would be, because it's so, astronom so astronomically improbable that the laws of physics are the, what they are in this universe, mm, that's perhaps. Um, and so, with our universe comes all of these truths about laws of physics and what we see and all that, and that they'll be different in a different universe. Um, but certainly <coughs> it certainly matters to us what is true in this universe. Mm, yes. we live in it. Yeah. Um, but for things that... Uh, you mentioned before, things that 
don't really might things that might not matter like it might not matter if I, I would argue that probably a better what term to use is things that are not relevant not relevant right because like they still matter like the role playing still matters to me it yeah. just doesn't matter to someone else so it's right. not relevant um we can bring in the matrix mm. here which is about to happen arrived. I think in a I think we've all seen the matrix yeah, yeah Dylan obviously have because he brought it up as an example yeah, yeah. Um, do you think it's important that we, um, well, we, we could never find out if we're in a matrix, um, unless we have a matrix-like scenario where there's agents coming to kill us. Yeah, or unless the, hu or the human mind, uh, like one of the th aspects of the matrix is that certain human minds naturally reject it. Mm. Yeah, so we might not ever be able to know if we're in a matrix. Um, so could that mean then that it's no longer relevant to us uh, whether or not we are in a matrix? Because it, it would make no difference to us. I would argue that it is. Hmm. So we can't, So you're arguing that uh, we're in a perfect a perfect simulation that can't be escaped. Yes. Uh, in that case, it probably doesn't matter as much as if we could escape because then there's a choice that could be made. It doesn't matter if. Relevance depends on awareness in that situation. That's probably a good how I would summarize it. But you're aware of the, of the possibility. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that the thing that uh, I think like the thing that makes the matrix uh, a matrix-like scenario bad mm. is that there is a choice. There is another world you could be living in. It doesn't matter that like objectively. The, wor the real world in the Matrix series is fucking terrible and why would you ever like want to live there? The reason people want to live there is because they don't like the idea of being used as livestock even though uh, the argument being your life is objectively fucking better in the Matrix like you do not have to struggle necessarily you do not have to struggle uh in a war of attrition against relentless machines. No, you might be struggling in a but you might war be homeless in Vietnam, in, for instance. You might be homeless in the Matrix. Like, yeah. Because that's a shit I mean, you can talk, you can talk about... Raymond's talked to me about before, like, the hedonistic wheel, and this is, kind of comes back to the fact that it, like... Things could be better relative to your circumstances. So you could be on the outside fighting this war, or you could be homeless, or you could be a very well-paid actor. But this whole conversation alludes to something that Raymond mentioned before, which is the idea of a, of a simulated truth. Like, does the fact that all of what you're experiencing could be or is an illusion change the outcomes that it has on moulding you as a person? And I don't think it does. I don't think it has to be real in order to be beneficial to you. And this is assuming that you're not aware or you are aware that you are living an illusion? Well, um, uh, basically, well... If you're both, aware, yeah, both. both. Like, okay. Because you can regard that like a military training exercise or something like that, like a war game. They all know that it's not real, mm. but they are very good at pretending that it is and it really does actually help in terms of preparation for something that could be real. Yeah, or practice interviews for jobs, or yeah. any sort of practice scenario. Yeah, we, you, uh, you normally know that the practice scenario isn't real. 
and less Miss Martian breaks the simulation with her psychic powers, in, like in that one episode of Young Justice. Yeah, good show. So, what about what about illusions in in moulding people's personal philosophies? Oh, I have a thing here that might piss people off. Oh, I'm all for crazy war times. Let's hear your scandalous piece. It could be argued that the vast majority of human beings have witnessed similar uh, hallucinations that have led them to believe things about the universe that in certain other worldviews are not real. Like seeing angels and ghosts. Uh, or, or even to put it even uh, even to put it similar stuff into a different frame, the human mind is really good at noticing patterns, so good that it often notices patterns that aren't there. Like when you look at a light switch or a power board and you see a face. It's not a face, but your brain is built structurally to recognize faces, so you see them where they're not even real, uh, when they're, where they're not even actually there because you can recognize those architectures. And that's that's a that's a thing that is a useful trait to have to be able to draw conclusions from stimuli, but it can actually lead to wrong conclusions where you attribute oh well yesterday Marcus did a dance uh, and there, uh, and then the drought ended the next day. Therefore must have been Marcus's dance when like most rational human beings would argue that the weather is not affected by individual uh, movements of human bodies. Well, I'd argue there's a significant degree of context there as well. Like, for instance, at this present time when there is a large established knowledge base on the weather, then yes. But, for instance, in a more primitive era where they had... It's, it seems to me more... It's a reasonable conclusion yeah, yeah. to draw, but it's an example of how that conclude Like, whether, whether they are... Uh, whether they are bad people for having drawn that conclusion, that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is their conclusion is, in my opinion, objectively wrong, uh, taking in account that I can trust that everything that happened before this moment is not a simulation or an implanted memory. Uh, that was sort of a thing that I thought might be interesting. I don't know. Um... So talking about how non-truth can affect us just like truth could. Mm. Well, I don't is think that, getting to that? really what I'm actually getting at is here is the distinction is I'm saying that it doesn't have to be real to be true. Mm. Mm. Uh, okay. It doesn't have to be real to be true. Can you give an example? Yeah, so, better one than I did. Um... No, I can't because the only example that I have cracking around in my head, like placebo, for instance, um, is you know the yeah. classic. Uh, okay. You take they distribute the medication. Uh, one of them is just you know like a little pill with some sugar inside. A sugar. The pill. person is. But told you get you get false positives out of yeah. it. You get people saying that the medication is doing well for them, even though that they're actually just taking the sugar supplement. Indeed, from a source that they trust, saying this will work, but and then you see the. Not really what I'm getting yeah. at. Cause the, yeah, okay. How I can't explain how what, what I'm... Can you think of a way to trigger me to think of what 
you're trying to describe? If any of our listeners are telepathic, uh, please email him. So, this... <laughs> can be... Uh, it's not... has to be real to be... to be... to be relevant. Because what we were talking about before is we, like... We were talking about how something needs... We were talking about factually true. So, like, uh, a universal constant or... But not a... Not really I think a I might have an example yeah, okay. that is, yeah. again, religious. Please help me. <laughs> there is no evidence to suggest that the Jewish people were ever enslaved on a large scale in Egypt. In fact, many uh, Jewish scholars have since uh, made statements about like that aspect of Jewish history in the Old Testament relating to Moses and Egypt, that uh, it is purely... Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? It's purely myth. Like, it is... It, it, there's no evidence at all to suggest it. And like, where you're looking for conjecture? Conjecture, probably. Oh, no, yeah. something else. Uh, but yeah, so like, but that doesn't make that story any less important to that's, the Jewish yeah, faith. Yeah, no, that's, so, that's really awesome. Okay, so um, stories that have morals. Okay. Like anything where they're just kind of like, there's this, there's this non-factual account that isn't necessarily designed to give across uh, to, to, to convey the idea that you should do this thing in your everyday life but people people see the moral in the story and then they do it and it changes the way that they interact with the rest of the world from a potentially not necessarily fictitious scenario okay, okay. or when people have so you know how they've done like uh, brain scans to look at people experiencing visions from God visions from God are actually ex like are all firing in the right areas to be a hallucination that doesn't stop them believing in God mm. right they still think that that experience for them was true even though a lot of the rest of us you can't or, prove or, or, that a hallucination <laughs> is not just the mechanism by which God allows us to see yeah his mm. brilliance yeah or her brilliance or their brilliance a brilliance a brilliance so it's true to them it's true to them yeah um so we're talking more about the subjective nature yeah definitely this is right yeah um oh okay um another good example of that's probably the duck rabbit drawing Oh yeah. Yes. You know this. I yeah. do know what you're talking about. Yeah. Is this the drawing that looks either like a duck or a yes. rabbit, depending on which way you, you view it. it. You can switch yeah. it in your head to yeah. see either a duck or yeah. a rabbit. Yeah. 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 Uh, another example is, it the is faces or the candlestick. And yeah, or another mm -hmm. example is this uh, two Batman or one Wolverine, which is something that our listeners might have seen because it's more of a pop culture reference. Went around the internet. Well, There's lots. Of I know the other three. And yeah. I'm just saying, I'm trying to give multiple examples. There's a lot of examples of these where there's an image that could be seen as two uh, different things. Yeah, right. Right, so if we, so the example with the duck rabbit is that it's trying to demonstrate pe different people can 
uh, see different things in the world um, and can argue about it, um, but really there's no objective truth about whether the drawing is a duck or a All rabbit. Right. It's meant to be. It is meant um, to be it's both. It's actually just a... Um, yeah. Yeah. It's actually yeah. just random ink yeah. scrawled onto a piece it's not, it's of it's shaved like the, It's not like the blue and black, white and gold dress. Okay, well that is actually a blue uh, and black dress. It is. It is actually a blue yeah, and black dress. Yeah, it is. Indeed. Dress. It is to do with the way that human being, human minds process contrast or something like that. Something like that. But it's also got to do with the sensitivity of your photoreceptors, like people that can see the blue and black dress in the original image that cause such controversy are basically have better eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised that I didn't notice it. What with my partial colour blindness. Hmm. Right, so there's... There, I think we're coming up onto the limitation of truth because we, I think we take truth in all its forms uh, for granted that there's something out there that we can all know and yeah. we can all agree on as long as we can just listen to one another for a few minutes um, but sometimes that's not the case um, then the argument steps up to what were which scenarios are the ones like the duck and the rabbit and which aren't and so we can we're going to start arguing about that so with the uh, I think it's the god helmet that you were talking about earlier where they wear a, um, a helmet with very strong um, magnets in it and it causes your temporal lobes to misfire. Or oh, is this the induced hallucination? This is yeah, the, it, yeah. it's, actually, it's actually a small localised seizure in the temporal lobes, I think. That, that gives sounds people dangerous. <laughs> Science. <laughs> it gives people the... Uh, p people can um, experience it differently. Some people don't experience anything at all when they wear the helmet. Uh, Richard Dawkins uh, didn't when he wore the, wore the helmet and he thought he, like he was hoping he could yeah. so he could get some kind of understanding of what people feel. Yeah, it actually surprises me that there are people that don't actually experience things considering that it's being induced. Yeah, yeah. And then other people can, um, th they'll describe a presence in the room with them or... Uh, um, yeah, it can so be good question. When they because oh, you go this when I was being potentially unfairly derisive of Richard Dawkins uh, <laughs> is do you think with that example like how much of the person's own truth can potentially govern the end result? Like I know it's being My it is an induced experience, but I wonder, for instance, like Richard Dawkins, for instance, who is ex extremely. Can I say anything? Okay. Maybe the reason he. Because you're arguing that, like, his personal beliefs may have shaped the reason he didn't. Yeah, well, his worldview. What, what if simply the structure of his brain shaped his worldview? So what if yeah. the reason he... So it's, yeah. Well, it could be... It could be, could be either, either or yeah, both. Yeah. Yeah. Be, yeah, it could be that his worldview and the fact he didn't have a religious experience in the God Helmet is due to him having... Uh, maybe a different, different neural brain. architectures yeah. um, or just different experiences growing up yeah. as a child I think Shaper wants to extend this in the fact that uh, does the well I want to extend sure, Raymond's you idea, go. Uh, is that the do, do, does the neural architecture actually are there oh psychoneural profiling I think is what you thought I was going to talk about possibly I don't let the man go preclude you from seeing certain truths mm. Mm. so can you not I think so do particular 
to your mental, mental beliefs because of the way that your brain is put together. Basically. I think so because um, the flip side is that of that is saying that if we had a perfectly functioning brain, we could know all truths. But, but like, I what do. is a perfectly functioning brain? Well, not not even that. Just to have the uh, the audacity to say that if we had a perfect brain, that we could know everything about. Mm -hmm. uh, the universe. Our brains are only good in so far as that they helped us to survive in the wild. So we are the way we think is a product of evolutionary processes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and that may or may not correspond to uh, big T truths. Quick question on the brains and the wiring. Mm. So, do we think then, if you had one individual who their brain is wired in the way it's unique to them, if we cloned them and created a group of them who all had that same Wait until you're done and then I'll say, would you, you think we would share the same truths? So you're, you're, so you're implying perfect clones where they are yes. completely identical, not just genetically, but like in every other aspect that a human being can be different physiologically yes. and chemically. I think that we already have the answer to this in a lot of nature versus nurture yeah. uh, aspects, but we also have... Not evidence, but we have uh, people talking about this previously in a number of different science fiction reference uh, uh, texts, which brings us back to sort of like what Crusading Couch is all about. Um, and one of the chief ones of those, as I can imagine, is Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep uh, by Philip K. Dick or Blade Runner, based on that, mm -hmm. um, in the fact that they had implanted memories in the replicants, and that meant that they were different to replicants without memories. And a lot of yeah. the memories that the replicants with memories have are actually similar. Like, they're just remixes of the same group of memories. They don't have yeah. hundreds of thousands of memory templates from different people. They have, yeah. like, a handful of people, and then they're just yeah. remixed together. So, arguably... But you end up with... Different beings, different even though they people have same that memories. have different I different identities of self, and whilst that is a fictional source, mm. I don't think that it is a large stretch to say that twins to, to, and triplets yeah. think differently. Like I, th I think that what in Billy's uh, thought experiment, they're more likely to think uh, similarly but they will not necessarily uh, think the same. They could potentially develop similar worldviews just from being structured similar. Have either of you two, Billy or Dylan, read any of, have you read a case study or uh, any other kind of study on the separated identical twins? Uh, in your maybe in, in, years I believe ago. in your studies. Separated the, from gen, birth? Yeah, separated yes. from birth. So yes. genetic, genetically identical, but brought up in completely different yeah. environments and how drastically different those yeah. individuals are, I think that yeah. Yeah, okay. provides us an answer to the cloning question that... Yeah, which basically loops yeah. around because I just wanted to... I feel that that also demonstrates that we believe that while your neurological wiring does impact, well, potentially impacts on your worldview, it is not the yeah. only thing at play. Yeah, and yeah. whilst we find it easy to conceptualise these kinds of... Uh, big world ideas in snapshots, I think that it's important that, and we often forget that your neural landscape is dynamic. 
it mm. is neuroplasticity. Yeah, constantly changing in res in response to the stimuli a that human, you experience. A That's human, a really good point. A human actually. being is a work of art that is constantly uh, in motion. So going back constantly to the original, being reborn. Here's a question: Do we think that Richard Dawkins, using the example that we've mm. used previously, can ever experience a religious episode in yeah. the God Helmet. I think uh, yeah. it's can he can possible. he ch can he change enough? Like, it, I don't I, mean like having a stroke or yeah. Something. He could like he could like heavily get into. He could decide to try and reinvent the drug culture of the sixties and get heavily into LSD, and then I'm pretty sure he'd be able to see shit in the God Helmet. Tell him. Does anyone know? Okay, no, that's off topic. Epilogues. Okay, write that down, son. Write it down, son. You had to say something. I was um. When when I was going to think of an example of how Richard Dawkins can change, and then yeah. Kim said, "No, not by way of stroke." I was like, I was about to say by yeah. uh, severe brain trauma. Yeah. <laughs> because I think that one of one of Bill, Billy's points about the cloning was that. Um, his already uh, quite concrete determination in his atheism may actually prevent him from having this experience in, in, in the God Helmet. But if he changed his beliefs or what, or, or his, 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 mm. his, Conviction in truths that may be illusions. Would that is it? Is it so simple as what you think, or is it something more? I mean, how much of a different? Okay, so we all know that data on a hard drive has a physical presence, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. But that physical presence is quite small in meaning compared to what the data that we actually see on a computer screen represents. Yep. And it's very easy to manipulate, the, to change the, 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 the meaning of the data that you see, whereas the actual physical changes on the hard disk are quite small. Right. So, yeah, changing the data on the screen being the manipulating the ideas in, in, in Dawkins's brain, as opposed to the stroke, which would actually have a significant impact yeah. on the hard a disk. stroke would be like dragging a nail across the hard disk, yes. whereas what, uh, whereas think, changing... That's an okay. Whereas <laughs> changing his ideas would be like opening up the system files and replacing one of the files. Well, I just actually mean like opening up a Word document and it's got all the text in yeah, it, and then that. you just yeah. rewrite the text. Like, yeah. Yeah, or it occupies that. the same physical space on the hard disk with very few changes, but, but the meaning to us is drastically different. Yeah, I think we constructed a good analogy there. Yeah, can we change can we change the meaning and <laughs> throw it back there. Um, uh, can we change the meaning in the in the in the, in the document in uh, someone's brain and actually have them have a different re um, response to these very cool very physical stimuli. Yes, yes by virtue of neuroplasticity that um, you can train yourself to think a different way. Um, I think some uh, monks from somewhere to bed or somewhere they train them. Yeah, they they do a certain form of meditation, and it has a 
um, uh, it affects their brain physically. Um, they can have more more um, um, activity in certain areas of the brain um, just by thinking or not thinking or whatever they do uh, yeah. mentally uh, to change that. Yeah. So it works both ways. I mean, if you if you um, change the brain physically by a stroke or trauma or um, lesion or whatever, then you can think differently. Yeah, um, people that are struck by lightning often have completely different um, emotional spectrums after the lightning strike. Uh, different regions of the brain light up. Is that is that the lightning strike itself, or is that uh, potentially because lots of people that have near death experiences really change the way that they actually think about life? I think is in that, my specific is that, is example, that a, is that a physical augmentation of the brain? Or I think in my a, specific example, it's actually a physical augmentation. But the, the, but I'm asking now: Does the near death experience? Do we know? Does anyone know if the near-death experience actually physically changes the nature of the brain? It might, because stress could, and trauma, yeah. like yeah, mental stress and trauma... Because it's, it's, it's just a different... How we, If we know that a person's experiences can change their brain... Mm. Um, Going back to neuroplasticity... Yeah, it could, it could yeah. be anything, and then it would affect different... It, yeah, it affect positive experience can change your mind just as much as a negative one. I think we've established the possibility of this. Yeah. Hmm. So Dawkins can have a spiritual experience in the helmet by whatever there's way. A, there's a magician in Britain who did uh, does a bunch of specials debunking spiritualism stuff, like showing... And, and, like, his goal is not to make religious people feel horrible. It's The goal is to, like... He empathises with them and he's like, this is the way in which knowingly or unknowingly religious leaders manipulate you and trick you. Okay. Whether they're doing it subconsciously or not is relevant. This is the way they're doing it. He does a great special on how the ways in which religious leaders and stuff talk and act and communicate with their parishioners can induce a religious experience. Uh, and he actually demonstrates it on an atheist woman. Like throughout yep. the show, he cuts two clips of him doing the things that he's explaining to her. And at the end of it, she like thinks she sees her father's spirit. Like feels his presence okay uh it's a really great documentary unfortunately i can't remember it at the moment but i will try and it wasn't um put something it wasn't uh da darren brown he does it similar things is he thin white thin, balding he's got a goatee no he's not he, oh he might be but yeah yeah i know that he was on an episode of heston's feast uh, i will try and uh look it up uh and put it in the uh comments or something. there's a uh, similar there's a lot of magicians and stuff that yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think we've gone a bit too far into that. Demonstrating the analogies <laughs> and examples. Yeah, uh, I mean, I still think it was. So, I think the, the what sparked that thread was limitations. That limitations uh, on us being able to determine what is true based on our worldviews. Is that right? Mm. Mm. I think that's probably a good way to phrase it. Yeah, I guess so. And we can circle back to, like, we only really look for the determination of truth in the worldviews that matter to us. Right. Yeah. Mm. Which is kind of where I was talking about the, the uh, 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 illusion thing is that yeah, I, I know yeah. that personally I'm more likely to uh, discredit illusionary hallucinations and things like that experiences as being less 
uh, worthy or uh, worthy is probably not impactful is probably a better way. Yeah, I was actually just about to ask how much do you think in pursuit of our own um, well, we have truth of the capital T, do we discredit uh, or go out of our way? Yeah, because I certainly I don't I certainly don't feel disserviced because I hallucin I'm less likely to believe a hallucination of an angel is a real celestial being sent to convey the word of God to me. Like, I'm, I would more likely be like, oh shit, I need to go see a doctor. There's <laughs> yeah. probably something wrong with my head, rather than like, holy crap, God is speaking to me. And like, as much as, and uh, that is as much the way in which I, uh, all of the total accumulation of my experience has shaped me. Like, I'm probably... But if your entire accumulated experience was an illusion, I don't think you would be a different person. No, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, the illusion, yeah, okay. right? Is that the e- fact even that even if he knew it was an illusion? Mm. No, then it would be different. It would be different because you'd have another point of reference. Because it would exactly there'd yeah. be some other thing, some other truth. Let's say this word yeah. uh, from which Raymond is deriving his. Uh, It'd be like, oh, personality. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'd be less phased by random, strange shit happening like if a dragon burst through the door right now or if billy suddenly turned into water i'd be like yep that's within the realm of possibility but i just think that that is only affecting it because it's moving the it it is it is removing the ramifications of your actions if we go back to like a war game simulation those guys really care about that mannequin that is their casualty when they're doing the medical evac yeah. Yeah, but that also mm. only extends, and this is probably where scope comes into it as well. But that only extends for the duration of that exercise. Yeah. And so they can't live their entire life knowing that it is a rehearsal. Indeed. And I think there would be serious differences if that were the case. So because it's a, it's a contained exercise, and they're all aware of this, that it's going to last for a specific amount of time, for, and it's going to help them achieve a specific goal. Yeah. And they willingly enter into it. That is what allows them to give it that degree. Do you of think that it's just because of real-world consequences? So, if you knew that your entire life was an illusion, and that the consequent and that the choices that you're making now don't have the consequences in this world because it's not real, but if they actually ascribed a real-world consequence to mm. that, does that still shape That's your your? But it just really shapes your question of. Your personal philosophies. It doesn't really shape your shape your definition of truth. In your example with the war games as well, where they get into it, there are real world consequences because they are, if not graded, at least observed in their performance. Yeah, but that comes down to scope. Yeah, again. Um, are are you trying to think about whether? The fact that an experience is an illusion, by by its very virtue of being an illusion, has a, re- a reduced effect on a person. I think so. Is that is that what you're asking, or is that what you're saying is the case? I'm asking. Yeah, you're asking. Yeah, he has a um, because I, because I think that if you go through an experience and you don't know it's an illusion. Yeah, no, I'm not really asking. I'm, I'm telling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that if you go through an experience and you don't know it's an illusion, then that experience is just as valuable as a real one, even if you find out that it's an illusion later. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. So if you're finding out it's an illusion afterwards, definitely. Yes. But if you knew it was an illusion beforehand, I would argue yeah, that it's probably less impactful. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually a very hard thing to think about, I think. Like, in order, because yeah. it's, it's not. It's a very difficult thing for us to experience at the moment. Yeah. But, but I, I also... Think it, I think it might become easier to experience in our yeah. near future. In terms, of, in terms of, is your whole life an illusion? I don't think it matters if you don't know. Yes, I agree completely with that. I, I, don't, I don't think that we need to know what is... Re in terms of... Our entire experience, we don't need to know what is real to know what is true. Okay, to know what is true, probably not. But I would because it is true for you now, mm. and that is and that is the important. I, yeah, thing. Okay. I think Dylan and I would. Okay. Uh, you you go. Uh, here here's a scenario for you. Suppose that have you heard of the experience machine? This is something like the Matrix, but you're being offered to be put into a Matrix, essentially. No, okay. is it a real thing? No, no, it's, it's not a real thing. It's, it's a, a real thought experiment. It's a, it's a real thought experiment. This is a thought experiment, a thought experiment on what you value. Okay. So you're being offered the chance to be put into this experience machine. You will live the rest of your life. Um, you, the life that you have in this machine will be much better than the one you have now in whichever way you would think it, is, it would be better. Mm -hmm. um, but you wouldn't know, once you entered the machine, that, that that world is a virtual reality. The memory of you agreeing to go into the virtual reality would be psychosurgeoned out. Yeah. So the question is, would you uh, go into the machine? No. Yes. Oh, wait. So Billy's saying no. Raymond's saying yes. I know why. I have questions. You have questions. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is your question? Okay, so, um, I guess my answer is really is really depends. I am not actually adverse to this. So, what do you mean? So I I do it, but I don't think that I'd go to massive lengths to actually seek out to seek this out if the opportunity were offered to you. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, sure. So if okay. it was like a really common thing, like Seven Elevens in Melbourne. But I imagine oh, then, God. then, you, you then, then yeah, I'd probably yeah. just be like, yeah, whatever. I, I would seek it out if it existed, but I would not actively pursue its creation. I'm yeah. more interested in making my current experience now better, because if my current experience now is better, then that means my current experience, then that means for other people that exist, it becomes better. But if I'm being put, if the option is like, hey, do you want to live in this thing where like, it, if it's a perfect simulation, like where the people are just seem just as real as they do to me now, and I get to live a better life, you're essentially asking me, do I want to live a better life? Like right. in, in your, this is going back to your, because you're a yeah. hedonist. So naturally you would say yes to this. Yeah. Um, and it's like you're effectively asking me do you want to move to the Netherlands <laughs> this for me is basically it's almost like a attitude an attitude towards death mm. it's just okay. kind of, it's just kind of like but you care about the people that you have in your real life don't you and it's just like yeah but once I'm in the new life I don't know that I disappointed them so it doesn't matter yeah so, are you saying you would go into this machine if you were offered? Yeah, probably. You would do so. Because what the real truth is, 
would be irrelevant once you're in the machine. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah well, because of that caveat that it, the knowledge of being put into the machine gets deleted, it becomes, after that point, irrelevant to my existence. Because, that it, yeah, it is, it is then your life again. If you know that you're in the machine, though, totally changes the Yeah, then my opinion yeah. changes. Then I would be like, uh, yes, but you need to give me some time to, like, make arrangements. Then it becomes more like, do you want to move to Mars? Okay. I wouldn't I, 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 believe, yeah, right, I, wouldn't go, I wouldn't go in if I knew that I was in the machine because you don't... There are all of these things... Because you know that you had a life before and you are you are considering other people's attitudes towards your choice. Yeah. Then, because we are naturally it social It just creatures. doesn't become your choice. Yeah. But you know when you when you are making the decision mm-hmm. that that is what you're doing to people in the real world. Yeah. But even though you, like, um, you'll forget about them. I know that I'm going to be absolved of guilt because I'm not going to remember it. And so that's the ultimate thing. I'm not going to feel guilty. You're not going to feel guilty, but you know... So even though... Because what, what I'm getting Whereas, at here is that... What's his name in you the have, Matrix? The guy? You have a... Um, say a former self and a future self. Former self's in the real world. Future self's in mm. the machine. The machine. Mm-hmm. The former self is deceit. You are purposely deceiving your future self by going to the machine. Yeah. Yes. That's, I mean that. That's, that's a good. It's a good point. You but are purposely it wouldn't. Deceiving. You so are taking much. truth it away. Would, it would probably make it harder to make the decision, but I still feel like my ultimate answer would, would be, be. It yeah, would be. Right. There'd be more umming and ahhing, and more like making sure people understand why I'm making the choice. But it would still result in the same choice. Dylan has summarised in what I have been trying to work out how to say for the last two minutes, uh, pretty much perfectly. And what you didn't have the chance to say before, anyway, because it was pretty yeah, yeah full yeah. on. How what we yeah. So yeah. you so you wouldn't go into the machine because you are deceiving yourself, indeed, um, and because you would be leaving people behind. And, I didn't um, actually really even think of the people when I actually <laughs> considered. It. I was please don't listen was... to this, Caitlin. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. My, my first thought was I don't, you know, I don't. As you said, I don't want to deceive the future self. I didn't really go, oh, I'll be leaving these people behind. It'll be a real shame. It was just this is, I suppose, in a way, I don't want to see that. That's what I'm looking for. Responsibility. Okay. Yeah, I think the choice for me, and for, definitely for me, it was only made easier by the caveat of. Like, I would be able to make the decision faster by knowing that I will be... I will not remember being put into the machine. But, like, I would still willingly enter that machine even if I knew uh, that I that it was a simulation because I would... Uh, I would just take a longer path to get to the machine. Even uh, if you knew you'd be in there for the rest of your days? Yes. Because okay. it wouldn't... I mean, maybe my view would change after I was in it for a while. But yeah, like, I was going to say, I actually think that you'd experience... Because uh, part of your hedonistic nature as well begin to experience some dissatisfaction. No, but, but that's... But but again, the parameters of the thought yeah, experiment, yeah, yeah. it's a perfect simulation. Indeed. So I'll be like, woo, this feels amazing. Um, there's a recording I was listening to recently where somebody was talking about like, oh, how would you... What is the ultimate goal of human expression? It's to feel good. So if you were going to make a simulated experience all you'd really need to do is simulate the mind full of serotonin or 
whatever. You just flood it with endorphins. You just program it to be flooded full of endorphins. Yeah, is, but... That, sorry, yeah. Uh, sorry, I was going to say, um... Talking about a related topic with someone once, somehow we got onto this um, possible uh, future scenario where the entire uh, human civilization is just flooded in serotonin hmm. and we're, we're in this world where machines can maintain the system. No one needs to be uh, sober. Uh, do you think that would be a good future? No. One, I reckon that your brain would actually acclimatize to the new... Yeah, that's probably yeah, a good to, point. To, to, to the new um, neurotransmitters in your brain and that you would eventually actually plateau out and go into a permanent state of melancholy. Heat treadmill, doesn't yeah, matter how it is the highs and lows that create... This that make... And also I think that we are... Have evolved to react to these uh, neurotransmitters um, in our brain, like the chemicals that make us feel some specific ways, uh, in response to um, external stimuli. So if you're yes. not actually getting that hit from doing a thing, then it actually detracts from the good. Yeah, I, good, I, good I, I, just, just to be clear, I don't want to be in permanent yeah, serotonin know, world but because, think, like, oh, but that is because of the way my current existence is framed. I think that it doesn't, but this experience machine probably isn't. It's a perfect simulation, but I don't think it is a perfect world. Yeah, your yeah, life is better. As in, be like, be. bad shit is still going to happen to you. Yeah, because. Bad shit has to happen to you Indeed. in order for life to be fun. One hundred percent agree. Like that's what gives you the perspective to really appreciate when something is happening that you enjoy yeah. or is good. Otherwise, I, I I agree, but like at the same time, I can envision a world where that would not be true. Like where I wouldn't. Well, I feel like you could break the hedonistic wheel. <laughs> But, like, it's not a world that I personally want to live yeah. in. In answer to your question, if I didn't... In terms of the original thought experiment, fuck yeah, I'd go into the machine, but I wouldn't, like, go to extreme lengths to find it. But if I knew that I was in the machine, I wouldn't go. Right. I wouldn't go, but nor would I judge people for entering it. Okay. He says that. But I'd be like, hey, I'll William, go into the machine. He'd look at me and be like... Mm. I'd be like, I'm not surprised. You can just say, well, you're dead to me now. Because they're not really in the real world anymore. There's, just, yeah. Yeah, well, well yeah, that's, that's, that's essentially it. Like, yeah. you are... I would be, in a way, Picking your heaven. Yeah, you're picking your heaven. You are dying in the eyes of everybody else and going mm. into this... Into this little... In this, into this little cocoon of good. Yeah, because I wouldn't be able to communicate with you because it would break the simulation. Indeed. The only yes. way they'd be able to communicate is to w go in themselves. Yeah. But then you'd also have to delete. Then you, it would be a more labor-intensive experience uh, project than uh, the initial person. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, totally. context would also have to agree on this as well because if you have like, for instance, the homeless person, not for this chance they. Presumably, or now, now I say that I begin to doubt myself. Be well, there are some, there are some homeless people that choose that lifestyle, but I don't think that is the majority. Indeed, that's right. We say like a successful and wealthy uh, businessman who loves what he does. So you're saying people who choose, who would choose to go into this machine, um, live a life with which they are not satisfied. I'm not saying. I'm no, because I am satisfied with my life, but I can envision being more satisfied. 
Hmm. Yeah, there's stuff I'd do. Yeah. I mean, I also but don't think anyone's really in the percent satisfied. In the parameters well, of the no. experiment, though, that we can actually negate this by making it. If we could measure satisfaction, the machine makes your experience inside the machine a standard amount better than your current experience. A standard, so a standard. A, so, and so if you higher. are really disadvantaged, you don't get to the same level as the as the yeah. seriously advantaged person that also went into the machine. You only get ten satisfaction units better. <laughs> but there's still going to be a vast difference in the level. Like, those 10 satisfaction units could make a real difference to the homeless person than they would the business. Those 10 satisfaction yeah, units... Yeah, Billy actually makes a good point. There's now actually has been... a house. Like, they're, they're the lower end. Are you talking about, like, the scale? triangle? Like, the, the social... The I, one, I was the just going to point out... The one really good friend, the success and the $100,000 a year that make everything peachy. No, there's been studies to show that beyond a certain level of wealth, your actual... Yeah, you're uh, talking about one of the points of the triangle. <laughs> oh, sorry, I misunderstood what you're saying. There's a... Beyond a certain level of wealth, your quality of life doesn't actually improve. Yeah, your satisfaction with your life doesn't improve. It's about 100,000 Australian dollars. There you go. Anyway, we're pretty much at the end of uh, now. Um, there's a few things that I wanted to mention. Um, the person that we were talking about, uh, Dylan was right, it is Darren Brown. Uh, who is a British uh, mentalist. Um, there's a few... I know that there's a few, like, video games that uh, deals with some of these topics really well. Uh, Soma is a brilliant game to play. It's sort of a bit horror-y, but, like, it's not actually a very hard game to play. It's just a lot of walking and trying not to be eaten by things. Uh, but it deals a lot with, like, what is real and, like, would you willingly go into simulation? Obviously, Eclipse Phase deals with these topics as well. Can anybody else... Uh, and can anybody else think of any other things that might help people think of the... Not necessarily fictional portrayals, but other things that might be worth mentioning? Obviously, can mention to Android's dream of electric sheep. Um... You know, if, they, if they've got a thirst for more of these themes... From these themes, um, Wittgenstein... Um, he had two books, I think it was uh, Tractatus and uh, Philosophical Investigations, which um, goes back to what you were talking about, Kim, about the nomenclature of... Oh, yeah. he, he essentially reduces all problems of philosophy to language and uh, matters of truth as well, especially subjectively. Mm. Yeah, there's some great PBS Idea Channel episodes, the Futurama episode. Uh, yeah, 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 In yeah. some ways, the, what is it, the David Truman, the Truman Show? The Truman, oh, yeah, the Truman Show, Show. Um, is an interesting, kind of the opposite of what we're talking about, about going into the machine willingly. Yeah, because, because his simulation is perfect. That's yeah. an interesting one, going, trying to get out, we yeah. try and get out of this other machine. Oh, I, I try, I try and get out of that simulation. What if it was, a, well, your, your world, so, now, you said before how you, you wouldn't go into this machine if you knew that it was an illusion. But then... No, I said that. No, I would. I'd still go into it. It just changed the path I took to get there. Ah, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's an illusion. What do you mean by that? Just so, like, if I know that I'm going to leave people behind, okay. I wouldn't rush into it. Yep, yep. I would take time and explain what, is, what I'm doing. Why are you by their opinions. So say you explain it to everyone and they're all like, hey man, I would be, this. but I can't imagine that it would stop me. Okay. It's 
yeah anyway I don't want to go into more because I don't want to drag this out anymore yeah um, but yeah but yeah. philosophy it's good learn some <laughs> yeah I thought this was a pretty fucking good episode uh, I liked it yeah uh, anyway uh, farewell from the past I'm Raymond I'm Kim I'm Will I'm Dylan and you've been listening to The, the Crusading, Crusading Couch, Couch.